Hi, welcome to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm your host, Tom Nielsen. Do you recall the scene in the Chevy Chase movie, National Lampoon Christmas Vacation, where he greases up one of those old metal saucer-shaped sleds and rockets down the hillside, nearly coming to a fiery finish as he crosses the highway below? Well, friends, today's episode is all about sledding. We're now going into winter, and it's that time of year to dust off the old snow disc or toboggan and head for the slopes. I think we need some special music to set the mood for our stories today. What do you think? Ah, that's perfect. (laughs) Well, folks, our first story has to do with ingenuity and inventiveness. Sometimes you didn't always have the proper sledding vehicle at your command. For example, if you're just a poor college student away from home and didn't have access to any of the professional brand-name sleds, you made do with whatever was available. At the school I went to in Syracuse, the snow capital of central New York, we had plenty of snow to work with, but our favorite sleds were usually back at home, far away, still sitting in the garage awaiting our return. When we were packing up for school, we generally thought of all the other necessities, like changes of clothes, check, portable typewriter, check, tape decks and stereos, check, but the sled was usually forgotten and left behind in our rush to head out for the ivory towers of academia. So when the first snowfall hit, we did what any inventive red-blooded American college student would do. We improvised. We came up with clever solutions that more than made up for the more conventional snow gear that was left behind. Our makeshift sleds could be as simple as an extra-large cardboard box, usually from an oversized appliance carton, which we'd cut open and flatten out to make an instant sled. These worked fairly well, as long as they didn't get too wet. Or we could go the deluxe route using those large rectangular plastic trays that were obtained from the college dining hall. Of course, friends, you know what that meant. We had to find a way to sneak them out of the building under the watchful eyes of dining hall staff and student monitors. But I tell you, those plastic cafeteria trays were the perfect alternative. They were strong, sturdy, lightweight, and nearly indestructible and they were just the right size for our skinny little college student took us. As a result, most of us managed to make cafeteria tray sledding a sport worthy of the Winter Olympics. The big trick was making sure you had a very large, warm, Arctic-grade winter parka that you could hide the tray under when walking out of the dining hall. We also had a fairly reputable art school on campus, So the next best thing was sneaking out the tray in your large leather artist's portfolio. Either method did the trick, giving us the raw materials for an afternoon of high-intensity sledding down the many treacherous hills of Syracuse. To this day, I often wonder how so many students managed to make off with those purloined cafeteria trays. It was like an epidemic of grand larceny during sledding season. That added up to a lot of dining hall staff looking the other way. And how much do you want to bet that the dining hall managers just wrote that into their annual budgets, making allowances for 497 missing trays every single year? (laughs) Yeah! Well, that was then. But now, friends, we turn to the subject of sledding with all the proper equipment and regulation snow gear. 
For that, we're going to climb into our DeLorean time machine and go back a few more years to the days of childhood. And I have a real treat for you. I happen to have a report from one of our spies, Ray, who now lives in Denver, Colorado, where the annual snowfall far exceeds anything we ever had on the East Coast. <laughs> Ray was part of our neighborhood gang of kids who used our street as a makeshift playground at every opportunity. Whether it was a friendly game of stickball, hide-and-seek, or, as we've been talking about, turning it into a first-class sledding venue when the snowstorms of winter arrived. So here's Ray's story about those good old days on the Grant Street Suicide Run Sledding Hill. And I quote, As kids, we couldn't wait for a big enough snowfall, the kind that would dump so much white stuff on the road that the city's snow plows had to be called out for our little one-block stretch of Grant Street that went from St. George's Avenue down to Dill Avenue at the foot of the hill. After the snow plows departed, we were left with a great half-inch thick base of hard-packed snow that was as slick as any Arctic glacier. Once that happened, we all hauled out our double 60-inch flexible flyer steel runner sleds and hit the slopes. Now just to give you an idea of the lay of the land, Grant Street in those days was just one grade higher than a gravel road. The simple asphalt macadam surface was hardly level and contained numbers of potholes strategically placed throughout. There were no curbs, no sewers, just a primitive road blazed through a suburban neighborhood that had once been farmland but was now dotted with small houses and large lots here and there. Our house was in the middle of the block at the crest of the hill while Ray's house was downhill at the other end, at the corner of Dill Avenue. Both Dill and St. George's Avenues were rather busy streets with very few stop signs, so Grant Street had its own natural endpoints, past which you would not want to go if you valued your life at all. Huh? So as we continue with our story, Ray goes on to tell how the sledding proceeded. As he reports, starting at the crest in the middle of the block, we would hop on our sleds and, by virtue of gravity alone, propel ourselves up to maximum speed by the time we reached the corner of Dill Avenue. Most times we'd wind up screaming right through the intersection, coming to a stop several yards beyond it. Now that, of course, was an extremely dangerous undertaking because of the traffic on Dill Avenue. So we usually had spotters at the bottom of the hill who could check for approaching cars before our sleds crossed the street. Grant Street, of course, was notorious for its icy conditions, so local drivers knew well enough to steer clear of our sledding hill in either direction. Getting up the hill on the way to St. George's Avenue was tough enough, but if you were traveling the other way, towards Dill Avenue, you had a very good chance of slamming on your brakes and skidding right past the stop sign, just like we did on our sleds. So if it weren't for our spotters, very few of us would have lived to see the sunrise the next day. Wow. And then Ray concludes his account by saying, Usually the sledding continued right up until and sometimes past the dinner hour, since all of us kids were within shouting distance of our respective houses, and our mothers had already perfected the art of calling us home from a half block away. Anthony! And you know, the interesting thing about those early sledding adventures was that back in those days, we didn't have any liability forms, crash helmets, mouth guards, or any other protective measures. God was truly our co-pilot. So I thank Ray for his very comprehensive intelligence report. 
Obviously, things have changed greatly since those days. The city eventually paved Grant Street, leveling out our fabulous sledding hill. And as the neighborhood and its residents grew older, there were a lot fewer kids who used it as a playground, which was a good thing, since car traffic also increased exponentially as the years went by. Sledding became more commercialized, with most families taking to the slopes of nearby parks or golf courses, and many folks turned their old flexible flyers into Christmas decorations, propping them up at the front door with some festive red ribbons and other Yuletide ornaments. And that's the way it is, December 2021. <laughs> You've been listening to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm Tom Nielsen. See you next time. Hi, this is Tom Nielsen. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're invited to hear more of our episodes at A Look Behind and Rewind. And feel free to share our link with friends, family, and others, as well as following us on buzzsprout.com, Apple, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts.